Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bike. We are back. So this will be the first episode post uh, the hits episodes. I hope you guys like those. Um, unfortunately, yeah. sorry, we couldn't. We didn't have any video because we were recording literally in a closet. It was like a phone booth. Yeah, we had to move some closet. shit around. <laughs> just to get the guys in the table to get into the microphone, yes, it was fucking it was crawl under the table. It was a yeah, closet, pretty much. So it's all right. But I hope you guys good. liked it. We had uh, we really liked it. I, Hits was a great conference. We've we've mentioned it. You know, I don't yeah. know like twelve, fifteen hundred people. It was a lot of people. It was definitely. Uh, yeah, there it was, was nice. definitely the, a lot of people there. The uh, the night at the booth was great. Ted and I, you know, gave away a lot of stuff. A lot. About um, 250 pounds of T-shirts. Yeah. Because I I paid to fly them down there. (laughs) Coins, patches. People are like, really? Free? Yeah. Because Ted didn't want to fly it back. Exactly. (laughs) It was expensive. So, uh, But it was cool. Uh, We liked everybody stopping by the booth and talking to us and saying hello. Um, Standing room only in our our, uh, class. We had a good time. Um, lots of story time. I told a couple stories in the class, dog stories even Ted hadn't heard. So I forgot What's about your story. Them. Busted them out. <laughs> Some Willie stories. So those were yeah. pretty good. So Ted, what's been going on post hits? Uh, handler school stuff and lots of police dog training. Uh, I've hired several, more, uh, what is today? Late October. And, uh, I've hired several more trainers. Um, I brought on a friend of mine I've known for years, um, as a canine trainer is Tom Rose graduate. Um, so Rolando's with us now, so I'm pretty stoked about that. And I still have a fucking awesome team of my normal guys. Uh, the city is messing with us on our remodel, which is, really? of, yeah. <laughs> so that's going, that's going swimmingly well. Uh, I just got back from Canada with HRD. We went to Winterpeg. Uh, I was up there in the beginning of October and it was cold as shit. Well, for me, it was cold. Um, they had to de-ice the plane on the morning we flew back from Winnipeg, so that's cold enough for me. Anytime you wake up and there's a in Fahrenheit and there's a one in front of the temperature, I'm out. Like I'm done. Mm-hmm. And you know, all the Canadians are like, "Oh no, this is fall, eh?" I'm like, "No, it's not fall. <laughs> this is not fall. This is winter where I'm from." But um, the RCMP guys uh, were hosting us. It, they run a uh, legit program up there. In fact, it, you know, several years ago, you and I talked about that. Like, wanted to have some them on. Uh, about their tracking stuff and i just never like i didn't we just it's one of those things that's on the list now that i think about it when we get into this episode i'm going to text our host and get a contact so we can because their tracking stuff is is crazy we didn't do any while i was there but um we got to go to cfb shiloh which is one of the super like it's one of their uh like uh, training military bases out in the middle of manitoba um they have the horse infantry thing there so I didn't see any horses. It's fine. So a bunch of dogs. Nice dogs, though. So um, the use of horse in Canada is a little different than the United States, which is fun. <laughs> so here we give the scenarios. They're like, oh, consider a gram clear. And you tell them, you talk to them about gram versus Connor. They're like, yeah, we don't we don't have that. We don't. I'm like, so, and I'm like, I won't get into it, but I, so, so what's the threshold here? And they tell me, I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So I had to change all the scenario call outs for that and i'm like yeah and they're here illegally so that's it that's all you need to know they're like oh got it so all or that though some really good teams uh super impressed we had winnipeg pd there rcmp from central country um they had their decoys um come in from lots of other places in canada way far away uh, a bunch of guys that are trying to be get into the program but yeah um it was fun 
but other than that, I got another one coming up next month in Indiana. I got a five-week handler school, uh, followed up by another handler school, another four-week handler school to finish out the year. And then I'm filling up my classes for January or February, March, and June already. So we're busy. What about you? Um, right now I got I only got one dog in the kennel. It's a bomb dog. I'm uh, training up single-purpose Dutchie for uh, um, explosive and tracking for a private security company. That's going to do you know explosive detection contracts. So I've trained a couple dogs for these for this company, and uh, this will be the third one I think I've done for them. So, anyways, trying to get him done. Um, was in Florida over the weekend at the uh, World Ski Show Championships. Um, I saw that. Yeah, one of our friends' ch- uh, daughters is on Team USA, so we down there, dude. So this, there's this new airline called Breeze, and they they fly out of the airport local to me, and they're uh, they only fly to like five cities, and out of my area they only fly fridays and mondays and it's to tampa so dude it was less than a hundred dollars piece of cake brand new plane comfortable seats i mean if you wanted a water you had to pay for it but we just brought water on um it says funny you can tell it was a new plane because the loudspeakers like when they're giving announcements brand new that bitch was loud we're like holy shit but nice clean easy piece i said i told my wife i said i think in the winter we're gonna make that trip Two, three, four times. It's easy. It's a it's a straight shot, two and a half hours, and you're in Tampa. You could go wherever. You know, get a car, go to Clearwater, wherever it is, and spend a few days in warm weather and go back home. I'm sitting here squinting because I'm trying to figure out if it's like Spirit or Frontier. It's <laughs> it's a lot kind of the same way. Um, I think the owner or the CEO was at Sprint. Or Spirit. Oh, okay. But Spirit doesn't fly out of that airport anymore. It's like Allegiant, but I think Allegiant, these seats are like Recaro racing seats from an, you know, an F Formula One racing car. It's not super comfortable when they don't lean back. These were, man, they had the movable headrest. That thing was nice. But, but anyways, back at it, um, trying to finish Grom is the dog's name, trying to finish Grom up. Um, I put up a thing, and we'll, we'll go over it towards the end, uh, a seminar I'm going to be teaching around whoever wants to host me to come in and do it um and it's uh it's an e-collar seminar that you know and i might change it up over the coming year or so but currently that's what i'm doing it's called e-collar without conflict for working dogs i've done it a few times already kind of sussing it out but uh it's a three-day school for working dog like police dogs and two-day school for pet companies so um it's a different system that i'm using on the e-collar that most people aren't using and i know you've uh started doing some of it to work clean up the out and everything it's it's a nice easy way to to so you know as we know most canine handlers and i'll say most canine trainers do not know how to use an e-collar they think they do but all they're doing is high high pressure all the time um if you're what i call yelping if you're yelping dogs on a regular basis you're, you're just not doing it right and you're you're creating all kinds of problems so i come in and we kind of reset your dogs reset your e-collar work and then i teach you a couple other functions with the e-collar that'll change the game for you when it comes to outing and things like that so um that's about it man i uh you and i were talking off air i'm and you know you like to make fun of me because i say this every few months but i think i'm getting out of the dog vending business end of the year probably february i'm gonna get out of selling dogs uh i'll still do training i'll offer maintenance training uh, handler schools i'll help you go select a dog 
that type of thing. But I think having the overhead of the kennel and um, all the bullshit that goes along with providing dogs to police departments and all the civilian employee bullshit you have to deal with and taking two, three, four extra months to pay you and all this other crap. And, you know, I'm sure you saw the list. The um, airlines just raised the prices again to ship dogs. Or Now it's about $1,500 a dog to ship. I'm just over it. I'm done with it. It's not cost effective for me anyways because I only have eight kennels. So I think I'm going to be done with it. And plus, every single night at 10 o'clock, seven nights a week, I have to go to the kennel. And every night. I have no employee there. So it's uh, it, I'm kind of done with it. I'm, I'm just over it. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I'm going the opposite direction. So yeah. I'm doubling down. We're expanding before our building's even done because we've already outgrown the kennels I have outside. Uh, and inside, so um, like I said, I had five starting school on Monday. Those five went home last week. I had four more shipped in, and then now I've got another five getting ready to be delivered in the middle of the school. It's going to be for my second school of the year, so I'm going the opposite direction. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. I did uh, 50 dogs this year. That's not bad. 50 dogs no. is pretty good, and still it's not profitable. So for me, I, I – you know, I'm an hour and a half from John Brandon at Shallow Creek. He's got 85 kennels. He's doing 420 dogs a year. And people are driving right past me to go there. So um, I'll let John can handle all that crap. I'll just make money on the training side and, and doing these uh, seminars a little bit. So anyways, cool. so those of you who are hoping that I would, uh, that you could get a dog from me in like March of next year, ain't going to happen. So uh, I'll find you one and train him for you, but... It's not going to come from me. So, anyways, um, what's going on tonight? So, um, tonight uh, we have a guest on that has some pretty unique background and pretty unique experience. Um, All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need you can go down there, check them out, rayallen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything that they have at the kennel. We'll use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtra.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. HITSCanine.net. HITSCanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at KineticDogFood.com. And look them up on the Instagrams at Kinetic Dog Food. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out, horizonstructures.com. He's based out in um, Vegas currently, so uh, tonight on we have Jamie Crook. Jamie, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well, man. Doing well. Um, 
So when this whole process started with having you on the show, like I got your, um, like we started emailing back and forth and had the flowing back and I was like combing through your resume. I was like, Holy shit, this ought to be interesting. (laughs) So, um, you know, rather than like, give me a little bit of a background of like, um, how you got into dogs, where we started. And then like, let's go through all of these, um, these bullet points here. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, first of all, before we get going, I just want to say, you know, I've listened to pretty much every podcast, uh, really enjoy listening to you guys, as do all of my colleagues that work at different units here in town, or they're just independent trainers, and some of the Metro guys for our uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department here, they're all listening, and I'll tell you what, man, the guests that you guys have, uh, obviously, and then me, but the reality is, I mean, it's a who's who of people. I, I hope everybody understands. I'm sure they do. How lucky we are that you guys are doing these things. There's just so much to learn. Get the insights from the guests. They can take a pause in a, in a sentence and you can read into that what they're mulling over in their minds. But to get people like you know Jerry Bradshaw and Michael Ellis, Pat Nolan, these kinds, and many others. I don't want to leave anybody out, but really, really, really. So first thing is, guys, thanks so much. Really, really enjoy listening to the podcast. Yeah, we I, I tell you that. what, yeah, Ted yeah. and I talk about this. I wish we had um, access to this type of information when we were coming up. You know, when yeah. we were, as a handler, yeah. just yeah, yeah, as yeah. a trainer. Absolutely. And and what you were just talking about, because uh, to, to just jump ahead slightly before I go back, which is, you know, I have a obedience business here in town. I do a lot of, uh, obviously, different levels of obedience work, including do a lot of board and trains, off-leash, e-collar work. I'm not using high stimulation to compress the dog. I don't want the conflict. I'm using that to make sure the dog understands, like Larry Crone would say, where that's going to happen in the sequence so the dog can understand exactly what's going on in all of their commands. So we're not using the e-collar for two ideas, which are to compress a dog that doesn't understand something and create ultimately conflict between the handler and the dog. And that's part of why I, how I ended up at Caesars Entertainment Services, which is not Caesars Palace. It's uh, Caesars Entertainment Services actually owns eight properties in Vegas. It includes Harrah's, um, Planet Hollywood, uh, the Flamingo, the Rio, Caesars, of course, Cromwell, the Link, these properties. We have eight dogs. Uh, they're all explosive detection dogs. Actually, we're adding two new dogs that are going to be uh, firearms dogs. Um, and ultimately, they move around all of those properties. There are a number of other units in town. I'm not familiar with the you know specifics of their protocols and their departments, but there are five or six big uh, hotel chains, the MGM, Wynn, and Encore, and then Palazzo and uh, uh, the Venetian Hotel. They have big units of like 24 dogs. Uh, I know the, the MGM has a big program. We have the eight. We have one up in Tahoe, so a total of nine dogs. Um, and then there are a number of smaller units, um, the resort world that just opened in town last year, a billion dollar property. They have seven teams working. They're all, uh, explosive detection dogs. Um, so there's quite a community of canine here. And of course, as you can imagine, the skill level on the handlers, most of them have previous experience. So we're getting a lot of former police guys who've retired or military working dog handlers and then individual units. So of course their approach to their dogs and their relationships with their dogs can really run the gamut. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of different skill levels and obviously trying to create some uniformity and some consistency is key. That's, uh, you know, 
I go to Vegas often. Uh, I used to go two, three times a year when I was real big into poker and go all the time. And I've only, I haven't been there too much lately. One other time it is, um, it only makes sense that Vegas is now diving into the, the dog world so much. Um, it's ripe for explosive activity. Like it's that, that place is, is, is a could always be a target, right? Everything about Vegas, the amount and, of people and, that you can pack in there. Yeah, and, and, and to follow up on that, on what you're saying, Eric, from a Vegas standpoint, so I've been a, a resident of Vegas on and off for a number of decades. My family moved from England. My father was originally a performer in shows here in Vegas. He brought my family over in the 60s. There were 110,000 people in Clark County. We have two and a half wow. million people living here now. The yeah. growth <laughs> spectrum over 50 years is unbelievable. And it has to be mentioned, although I'm certainly not privy to all the dynamics that went on around it. But, you know, we had this event five years ago on October 1st where a guy, you know, triangulating shots out of a window uh, did some serious damage here. And at that point, a lot of things changed. Almost all the hotels, certainly the big hotel units, all have some sort of SRT or ERT team, an emergency response team, because like so many other situations, we're understanding that these people are not really looking to be negotiated with. They just want to take out as many people as possible. So subsequently, having units that can go and draw that attention and perhaps draw them from their primary objective as quickly as possible has become, you know, paramount now. And some of the canine units are looking to be able to integrate their dogs as an augment dynamic to some of those SRT teams. Obviously, I can't speak for the units I'm not involved with, but for instance, people hold up in hotel. I mean, here's what we can, here's what is fair to say about Las Vegas. And, and obviously it's a very open, Ted, Eric, it's a very open environment. People want to be able to walk in and out of hotels. There's a lot of glass fronts. There's a lot of square footage where people can move freely. So subsequently, those dogs that are basically odor dogs now, some of them have the right genetics where we can begin to possibly introduce not a dual purpose animal, but an animal that can at four o'clock in the morning outside of a nightclub where people are taking recreational drugs or drinking too much and then losing money and arguing with their partners, you're seeing some people behaving very poorly late at night, early in the morning. And a lot of these security units walk up and as you guys know better than anybody the dog is a tremendous deterrent so almost you know we're we're seeing a transfer to springers and some lamps and floppier dogs but a lot of the hotels and that's how i originally got involved back in 2014 a a, a subcontracted canine team asked me if they could have me come in to help them understand how to create some verbal aggression from the dog some barking behavior because you know you're talking a lot of people who are behaving poorly in those those canine units and the normal security comes up. Boy, that dog comes up behind them, offers some barking behavior, and a lot of people want to move off that private property. And gosh, that works really well. That is an idea. What we're seeing now is that envelope getting pushed and some people saying, hey, we want the dog to be able, provided the dog's genetics are right and obviously the training is right, we want that dog to behave as handler protection if push comes to shove and gives Obviously, from a liability standpoint, the compliance departments at all of these different properties, they all have different approaches to what they want their dogs to be able to do. And obviously, we want to do this professionally and with skill. So these dogs already have jobs, but some of them are now being asked. And we have a dog in our unit that is now part of, um, part of what 
you know, I'm here to talk about is the violence response canine program. We are not talking about a police dog. And that also creates a dynamic for us in certification because we're not talking about just a patrol dog. We're talking specific to what the whole hotel's needs are. So that's all ongoing, but, but this, is, this is a dynamic that we're starting to see now. Um, obviously, Metro has a big relationship with the hotels and they will be there, but it will take time. So the units, yeah. the, the hotels want to have ERT or SRT teams. Most of these guys have previous experience with some kind of SWAT or military unit. They are armed. And so we've created a different dynamic here. Ted, what's 4 a.m. in Tulsa like? <laughs> Dude, you've seen it. It's on live PD. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. what for. Well, anytime the sun's down, that's what it's like here. We have <laughs> casinos here. Like, you know, obviously, I mean, not like we do in Vegas, clearly. Although the biggest casino in the world or whatever is in, Tulsa, or is in Oklahoma. It's not close. Okay. But, uh, no, my handlers that are part of Indian tribes. Um, and on top of that, are at, like my handler school is going on right now. They're staying at a casino like down the street because it's part of a, like a tribal thing. They have a good hotel and like whatever. It's close, like 10 minutes from the kennel. But uh, I've had a couple of handlers bite people at casinos. Yeah. They're law enforcement for Indian tribes. And then uh, I've had a handler kill a couple of people at casinos with tasers. Oh. Um, and, well, I mean, PCP and does that. Uh, <laughs> there, have, there, have, there have been some checks written, Ted, here. Uh, yeah. But the reality is that dog is a really nice uh, deterrent. And, and we're looking at in, incorporating those dogs in, as an augment dynamic to some of the behaviors that the SR teams, teams are starting to work on. And, uh, you know, what I can tell you is these dogs have to be very, very social because, as you can imagine, I know from Eric being here a number of times, you go into a big property on a Friday or Saturday night, I mean, it's a circus. You've got people who are frightened of the dogs that are walking by. You've got people who are reaching out and saying, hey, I got one at home. Can I touch your dog? Nope. And the reality is those dogs have to be social. So when we're starting to talk about them having some biting responsibilities in certain situations, obviously we don't want that to be a liability. So it's a very interesting environment to try and, and create that. Yeah. Um, so I provided two dogs to uh, Cameron who uh, trained him up for one of the properties there in Vegas. Okay. And yeah. uh, two Malinois. Real nice social dogs. <laughs> one of them, I'm pretty sure still working there. The other one, uh, and I never had any problem and Cameron never had any problem. He got with the handler and they started doing work or whatever. And he smoked that kid, bit him yeah. and had to, they had to, to get rid of him. I'm like that dog. Yeah, he was the, he was just like a Scooby-Doo. Like he was a real fun, nice dog, but I guess he lit that kid up. So Whoa. off you go. Yeah. Well, sometimes so you break down that wall for them and you know, they suddenly realize, Hey, I have other options here, you know, and yeah. obviously from the hotel's perspective, and certainly I can only speak from the Caesars, you know, position, they definitely want to make sure that that isn't an issue. So for instance, you know, uh, we have eight dogs. One of them is female, female shepherd. I think we have four males and four shepherds, um, thought maybe a shepherd would be a good answer to start with for this, uh, uh, violence response canine program and so they handed me a, a mal but ironically the mal is not uh, prey heavy it's more of a defensive dog and he's social so we've been able to work him and get him to where he's giving us a nice level of response in his bite work but it doesn't bother him when he's out in the casinos and that's super important in this situation because we're not pointing the dog in a direction and sending him to people I mean, that's just never going to happen yeah all right so we got off we got out of our yeah. normal order so let's go yes that was i started it and then and you ran with it so let's go all the way back let's give a little bit of history 
Yep. We 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 got a little bit of the the English part, and and yep. when your family yep. moved here and everything. Let's talk about uh, growing up with dogs and how you got into it and what right. your history is up until today. Okay, so I always have been a fan of dogs um, and had them throughout my uh, early you know my adolescence and and growing up, and then of course owned dogs at different times. And it was just a strange thing because at some point in my working life. Uh, and I also was involved in the theater, which meant I uh, performed in shows. I also directed shows, staged them for people, which was really valuable for me later on when I did get involved in dogs because creating scenario work, understanding how to focus it, making sure that we're creating clean dynamics, those things made sense. Obviously, entertainment doesn't have a spe specific correlation to this work. I just woke up one morning uh, and my wife uh, had rescued a German Shepherd and it turned out there was, I knew nothing, guys, about what I was looking at other than it's a German Shepherd. Looks like a good idea. The dog had a fairly defensive background and we had to almost immediately, and this is about 15 years ago, uh, find capable people who could explain to us what we were looking at in terms of drive, social behavior, all of those things. And that kind of opened the door. I was sent to a competition-style obedience class being held here in Las Vegas, and I stayed with them for about a year. And I just said, you know what? I really enjoy working with the dogs because I'd always been frustrated by my own lack of ability to be consistent with the dog in terms of communication, and I would get frustrated. And uh, this whole career for me has really been born out of my own frustration and saying, okay, this has to stop. I need to understand from the dog's perspective better what's going on. And I kind of dove into the deep end. And ironically, I, I joined a competitive uh, group here in town. Uh, it was mostly German shepherds. And there was a guy, everybody started almost whispering right away, you got to meet the guy who does the, who does the protection work. And of course, he was a Schutzen decoy. He was also with Metro as an officer, uh, trying to screen for their canine department. Cut and fade as time has gone by. He is now the fourth senior handler on Las Vegas Metro's canine unit. They have, not 100% sure, he told me I'm fairly correct on this, we have 17 handlers and 34 dogs, all the dogs in Las Vegas for Metro. And there's also Henderson and North Las Vegas Police Department staff canine units also. I know North Las Vegas tends to get their dogs from Adler Horst. Um, all of those dogs are single purpose. It's Las Vegas. You know, it, it's going to get very, very hot here. And, and if those dogs have to be deployed as patrol animals, they're not going to be useful to anybody as a narcotics dog or as a, a, an explosive canine dog. So subsequently, all the handlers here with Metro get a dog. Once they've gone through their probation period, then they're handed a second dog, which is usually flop-eared for narcotics, bomb, that kind of thing. Uh, but there are no, you know, there are no dual purpose animals here because the heat is just too great. I mean, coming off that cement when your dog can even walk on it in the middle of the summer when it's 116, 117 degrees in Vegas and oftentimes stays over 100 at night for a couple of months on end, it's got to be 150, 60 degrees on the ground. So, you know, uh, how those dogs move between hotels, um, how they deal with being outside in the summertime. So. So ultimately, all the dogs working in Vegas, I digress from, from Metro, but they're single purpose animals here in town. Um, so to, real quick, uh, so I'm sure you were living out there. You remember when that guy went in, in the summertime, he went into uh, New York, New York and shot some folks from like the second floor up there by the, I don't know, the Coyote Ugly Bar. I think he was up there. Okay. Yeah. Um, he wore a trench coat. It was summer. I, at that time of that shooting, I was sitting in a car on the strip. This was during around the time of the World Series of Poker. 
Right. And the dude's air conditioning didn't work in his car. It was 121 degrees outside. Right. And I remember sitting there trying not to move, seatbelt on, which was leaving a sweat strap across my shirt. Yep. And um, dudes were standing out there drinking beer. And it was 100, 127. And these are not Las Vegas locals drinking the right. beer there. These right, are right. tourists. I'm like, all of you are going to die of dehydration. Like, every one of you. And it's then, a recipe for some craziness, that's for sure. Yeah, and it turns out that guy went in there. He had a whole trench coat on. That Still to date, the hottest I've ever been in my life, ever, was that yeah, like just four crazy. days I was out there. Yeah. It, was, yeah, yeah. it was nuts. And then you see the guys, that, um, like Nevada Highway Patrol, on accidents or even traffic stops up on the highway, hoods open on their cruisers, uh, long sleeve shirts, which must be a, a way to keep cool, I guess. And uh, all this, I remember driving, because the, the guy I was staying with lived in Henderson, so we were driving in back and forth every day. And I remember driving by the uh, baseball fields and seeing Little League baseball games yeah. at 118 degrees. I'm like, oh, no, no way. Yeah. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Yeah, how you break that up, and of course, a lot of things you adjust to. From the dog standpoint, obviously, we have uh, certain critical cutoff points. The nice thing for Metro is they have very, very nicely equipped SUVs, really nice air conditioning systems. They have a lot of alerting type dynamics, so they don't run into the problems that obviously happen for people from time to time when they don't have that kind of equipment. So, to get back, to try not to get off subject for you. Um, for me, I got into dogs late, but when I got into them, I really dove into it and I wanted to get that in. When I went originally to this group, there was a guy here in town who'd been a handler and trainer uh, originally uh, with the Army and he'd gone through Lackland. And he had a program and a bunch of us ended up being uh, apprentices underneath him. And because he had a business doing personal protection dogs, we were all in suits before he knew it. And that's an interesting process, obviously. Um, the interesting thing for me was because I do have a combatives background, the comment was made to me early, not offhand, was just, hey, bro, it's, uh, you know, it's interspecies sparring. And that comment really resonated with me in terms of learning how to feed energy to the dog and begin to understand how to draw out the drives I want based on the things that I'm doing. Uh, the guy was really good, a guy named Greg Connor uh, by name. He was really good at telling all of us, look, you guys are going to have to go out and hunt up the people that you need to spend time with. And that's exactly what happened for me. I just went down the rabbit hole, uh, spent some time with Remy, who's the, the colleague that I have who's with Metro. Uh, it was really interesting spending time with him because he was really good in his foundation work with Schutzen and general kind of decoying for the club. When he joined Metro's canine unit and he'd been with them for about a year and he and I got a chance to break bread, he went broke. You've got to see this stuff. You've got to see what people try to do to my dog, right? So, you know, while we all enjoy and appreciate and very much respect a lot of the sport work that's going on, when it gets time to transition that dog to a working animal, obviously there are no rules. So we see some pretty strange things in terms of, I remember Remy saying to me, I had a guy in a closet and he tried to poke my dog's eye out with a coat hanger, right? So, you know, there are things you're not going to see on a training field. There are tools that are going to be used and you know obviously no. as you guys well know eric and i both eric is the king of making shit weird <laughs> <laughs> and and i also have a pretty good reputation for like many handlers being like what when when would this it doesn't matter when when would it's when will and don't worry about it <laughs> like just do it and shut up 
and you know, don't anticipate, just participate is the theme at most of the trainings. And nice. once we're not working on skills, we're working on weird stuff. But I mean, I've, we bit people, people in bathtubs that were trying to avoid gas. So they were laying underwater and oh, they would yeah. come up every month. <laughs> and I was like, so we got lucky on this one. Who wants to decoy this? And everyone's like, no, I ain't laying in a fucking bathtub with a suit on. And I'm like, come on. But no, I, yeah, we, yeah. Sport work is great for precision and, specificity but and i gotta be honest like a lot of the stuff that we steal a lot of the things that we use are from very talented sport trainers but i like tell people like we hide in dirty dark scary gross places <laughs> that's where that's where they able, ask the dogs to go so that's where we go yeah you got to be able <laughs> to think outside the box and the dogs have to be problem solvers and if they are seeing the same training and they're seeing the same situations we're not really helping in this in that case you know so so i, I appreciate that and applaud that that term interspecies combative sounds like Ted's concerts, like the uh, mosh pits at some of the shows you go to. There's a meme that's going around that's got a cat in the pit. Do you see him? And he's like, <laughs> you can't see me on YouTube, but he's like, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and it's concert season coming. I got two big ones coming up. Anyway, um, for sure, that is an extremely important like portion of that. And you know, kudos to him and you guys for recognizing that. Because, I mean, it's kind of a foundation of one of the things that one of, the, one of our other companies, HRD, deals with. Um, doing things that are, you know, not necessarily out, not necessarily outside the norm, but it's an exposure drill. Most of the time, what it comes down to is exposure to the dogs, exposure to the handlers. Like, I understand this is kind of weird, but this is like, I, I would rather you do this in training and never have to deal with it than like, and that's what I ask my guys all the time. If they get a bite and I'm like, did you know what would happen? And they're like, yeah, they recount the story to me, blah, 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 blah. Right? And I'm like, great. Where I feel like I messed up is when they're like, do you know, do you know what was happened? And do you know what would happen? And they were like, mm, nah, I hate when people get lucky. I don't like that. Yeah. Like it, so we try and make it as weird as possible. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, ultimately, if they haven't seen it, we don't know how they're going to respond to it. And, and that's a huge issue for animals that have to be able to work through that dynamic. So, so for me, stepping outside that box and that's, you know, uh, I know there's the combatives background and you're looking at some of that, Ted. And, and so it, obviously a martial arts background, combatives. And all I mean by that is the two overlap for me, the canine and the combatives, because sometimes canine units have said to me, hey, I hear you do those things and it's opened the door up or vice versa. People coming from and specifically for me. I'm not doing jujitsu and kickboxing. There are wonderful people out there for that. I, I tend to train people at this point in edged weapons and improvised edged weapons. And in fact, from that original class that I was in, one of the guys uh, at one point was supervisor for the win unit, but this is going back a few years. He's no longer there now. He, a guy named David Brumet, he's, um, he's, I think, with uh, South Dakota Police Department, somewhere over there, working in canine there. But he was originally the manager of uh, Texas Station, which is a hotel off the strip here, their security department. And I went out to teach some grasping control and some basic concepts for what you need to not do when you're dealing with somebody who has something sharp or edged. And after we did some training together, they took me to the bowels of their security department and brought out literally boxes of screwdrivers and scissors and box cutters and, you know, forks and utensils and things that were being presented to their security department. And so that's how the overlap happened. So, you know, mm. uh, one more short story for you. There's a guy here in town who has a private security company, former uh, Metro Sergeant named John Simon, great dude. 
and he has assignment protection and he had a canine and I was the decoy that was engaged to be able to work the dog. And he was also doing a security special for the oxygen channel on females working in the executive protection field. And he asked me to come in and do some night work. Well, the other guys he'd invited in were some of the SWAT trainers for Metro. And after we got done shooting, they were like, hey, can I uh, get here? And so that, that's how that transfer happened for me. And it's led to a number of connections that I would not normally have coming from the, the companion dog side of the world uh, and, and enjoying working with canines. My background was basically working in personal protection and handler protection exercises. And since that's what Caesars was really looking for, it seemed like a good fit. They gave me a couple of projects uh, to help some teams that were having some communication issues with the dogs. Those things went well and it's built since then. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break. And when we come back, I would like to talk about like the genesis of the unit of the units. And, and I'm assuming, well, I, this may be a wrong assumption, but that the shooting incident from October was probably one of the big catalysts, but we'll get into that and how all that kind of kicked off. Um, so stick around. We'll be right back. Stand by. Hits Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric. All covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits to the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine.net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, performance dog food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level, better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K uh, works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year winter's different than summer it's uh it's really a well-run good dog food um company kineticdogfood.com be sure to check them out on social media too man they're they're amazing folks kineticdogfood.com by now you've probably all heard my story at least once i'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself so this next product is like near and dear to me because i actually use it uh quick turn by vet care it does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients, dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great, keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit. 
stops little issues from becoming big ones. So it comes in a spray, it comes in an ointment, it comes in a dressing. It's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. You really only have to use it like once a day. So there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle. Since it's temperature stable, you don't got to worry about it getting hot, getting cold or anything like that. So put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet. Vetcare.us on the internet. Quick term by Vetcare on the inter- on Instagram and on Facebook. And then hit them up with the discount code 10WDR for 10% off your first order. So my entire time that I was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement, the cars at my department in the departments that I trained all had American aluminum accessory kennels in the cars, different cars, man, Dodge chargers, all Ford models, some Chevys, uh, SUVs, cars, everything. We loved American aluminum accessories. Um, it's a great product, a great company. They've been serving uh canine law enforcement community for over 20 years, you check out their uh, website ez that's the letter z ezrideronline.com they got testimonials they got videos on how to they got a list of everything they have uh just today we made a post on the working dog radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the american aluminum kennel in the back of the car check them out online guys ezrideronline.com just let them do their thing man whatever car you got for your work your patrol car, get a hold of them, American aluminum accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to tactical police canine training that's letter k number nine training.com and use the discount code wdr30 you'll get 30 percent off of that course all right everybody working dog radio we are back broadcasting a bite hope you guys uh listened to the commercials and didn't skip through them if you did uh bottom of the uh show notes has the discount codes and everything in it check out the ray allen discount code changed so uh make sure you go check it check it out that is probably going to be I'm going to say probably we'll be throwing up a new discount code for Ray Allen probably about every six months. Um, we talked to Ray Allen, uh, the, not Ray Allen. We talked to Matt and the guys Matt. from Ray Allen yeah, in, in Ed Hits, and you, and you heard him on the podcast. Um, and he said that the, our discount code is the number one that's used, and uh, so much so that these little websites start stealing it and putting it up on there. And Oh, fuckers. It's like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm like, that's why they keep switching it because it gets ganked by the internet. Um, But I'm proud of you guys because they said that it's uh, really worked out. We really appreciate when you when you support the folks that uh, support us. So we're back here with Jamie Crook from uh, Las Vegas, Um, one of the uh, casino dog uh, casino group dog handlers and trainers. Now, a lot of you probably haven't seen too much of the dogs. Maybe you have and you started seeing them. There's a lot of behind the scenes when you're dealing with a lot of explosive dogs there is a lot of behind the scenes stuff you don't even see 
Um, I was told, and I don't know if this is true, Jamie, that uh, Resort World, when it opened, is kind of acting like an airport where you leave your luggage and then they deliver it. I don't know if that's true. That's what they were talking about. And then all the dogs are working that luggage in behind the scenes before it gets put up in your room. Is that how they're doing that there? Do you know, you know what? I, I, I can't confirm that for you, but I certainly can find that out for myself because the guy who's now running uh, uh, Resorts World is a new property. And often yeah. when these properties open, some of the original executives and managers move on very quickly. It's not a good fit. They get offered something else. So uh, I know they have seven teams there because... A little anecdotal story. So for me, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was invited to by the guy I'd originally been apprenticed with. And he'd seen me go off and do things and spend some time with some decent people. And he said, hey, could you come back and teach a class in decoy fundamentals? I mean, really basic stuff. And I said, sure, I'll be happy to come out. And there was a group of guys there, uh, a couple of Marines um, and some guys who were looking to start handling dogs. And there was a young guy there named Michael Suison who was just really on his game. And after we got done, he came up and said, hey, listen, I'll do anything you want, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't taking on anybody to work with me. I'm just an independent trainer, and that works well for me. Um, but I said, sure, I'll have you out, and we'll, we'll do some things. And sure enough, he came out and, and did a few things. And a couple of years went by, cut and fade. He's was the lead handler for resorts. And from that standpoint, simply being more experienced and able to give them uh, more feedback with their dog program since that point in time. They've been open a year. He's now running the department. He's the manager and he's the lead trainer. And he's also my partner in creating the program for Caesars. And he has put his money where his mouth is. Young guy, went away, like I said, started, had some good instincts, was willing to work, went away, spent a lot of time with Justin Rigney and Carlos Ramirez doing power biting seminars. They from what I understand, we'll lean on him when he comes out, specifically picking. So he's he's been doing really, really well, and he's way above my pay grade now when it comes to the mm-hmm. dynamics of how he can do these things. And it's just great to see a young guy who's passionate, who's articulate, who understands his breeding, who understands how to look at the genetics of what they have. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the people at the hotels, uh, not trying to point fingers at anybody, but a lot of the admin people don't understand what it takes to house a dog, raise a dog, train a dog, keep that dog functioning, and build good communication. I know you guys haven't heard any of that before. So so (laughs) ultimately... We're, we're kind of liaising between what the hotel wants because they love the idea of these things. But once again, they poop and they pee and they bark and they bite and they chew on things and they have their own brains. And the idea here is to create functioning animals that can work in the environment and be useful. Uh, I do know from my own experience, um, you know, you're talking about some very, very, very high end uh, suites, luxury suites with a lot of people coming into town who aren't necessarily universally loved by everybody. So one of the things that, you know, those hotel bomb dogs are doing is they're sweeping those suites. They're checking those bags. They're doing all of those things so that those people who come to town with that kind of money, because if you want to see a hole in Las Vegas's economy, have some of those people get damaged and you'll see some things change. So it's become very important to Las Vegas to have good SRT teams and some good canines and also, uh, you know, firearms, detection dogs moving through the hotels. We really don't want to see any of the events that happened for us five years ago. We want to see something like that. And there's a lot of effort being put in to make sure that those T's are crossed and those I's are dotted. Yeah, it's funny when you said that about uh, administrators not really understanding the capability. Ted and I are like, 
that sounds familiar. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the next one is, the, why does it cost so much? And you're like, oh. The weirdest part <laughs> about law enforcement side of that is that every one of those administrators, they actually know the value of the dog. They yeah. actually do. Their career has been around dogs probably or heard of it or been around somebody with a dog. They know they just like to play stupid. So, but anyways, um, so before we get into like the beginning of the program, what was, what was the first thing you saw? Um, first of all, also get that Mike guy to come on, come on the show. He sounds fascinating. Um, yeah, but- I, I think you guys would enjoy him and he, he can definitely, he, he, he's very articulate. That's one of the things for a young guy. I want to say he's 25, 26. When we're working dogs with the handlers, he's just so elegant in the way that he's able to provide information while he's directing the dog. So I, I'm very impressed. He, he was definitely a, a person who's impassioned with this and has real skill. So when, when you're with Remy and he's showing at having you look at what was the, like the first thing that you remember that you were like, that was freaking cool. And I want to be part of that. Like, what was that light bulb thing that you were talking about? Yeah, I think for me, it was the protection work. It was seeing a dog that was, had that controlled aggression where, you know, we're not capping it. uh, And obviously I didn't understand these things when I was looking at it, but to watch a dog in a stressful environment, being able to execute the commands that you wanted, being able to call the dog away from the things you didn't want. I think, uh, we had a we had a big group, and occasionally uh, Remy would be available to come out and do some work. And um, we were doing a carjacking uh, uh, scenario where um, uh, my wife was in the car, uh, the dog was in the back with a muzzle on. Uh, Remy came around the group of people and opened the passenger door and went to grab my wife. And the dog responded to that, and was able to repel the guy in the car, and then he left and came back without any equipment on and stood. And because of the dog's social behavior, the dog was able not. It was just something simple like that made me say, wow, this is really interesting. And of course, once you go down the rabbit hole, things get a lot more uh, dynamic. I think we're, I I don't know, Ted, if you would agree with this, at least over here where we're at, I think the concept of the social dog who can still do the work, I think Mm -hmm. we're probably, we're probably late to that game over here. Um, I know we, um, and we still get dogs that are jerk offs, but for the most part, those dogs that, um, are just going to kill everybody all the time. Yeah. Nobody wants to live with no. those dogs anymore. I handled one. They're just, they're not all that awesome to, to no. be around. I mean, they work, but I think, uh, admittedly we were way behind the curve on that. Uh, it's at my department. It started with a dog, um, named Armin. And uh, Ryan, uh, handler Ryan Davis got Armin. He was a shepherd. Uh, kids could ride Armin like a horse, and he, I think, he had 170 some street bites in, at the end of his career. Oh, yeah. um, amazing! And it was such an anomaly, a freak show thing. And then we just kind of moved on for there. I don't know where about where you're at, Ted. Uh, you know, the sociability for me, like when I when I say social, um, what I say for social for police departments is different than like what I would say for security or for private protection. Um, to me, social police dogs are dogs that can work around team members or other cops. Yep. Um, and I'm going to say this and like, I realize that, that Armin was awesome and that kids can fucking ride him and everything else. That's not even in the top 20 things that I look for when I select a police dog. Same thing yeah, with a dog. Either. 
Yeah, and I know you don't. And same thing with a dog that's also good with, and I'm doing air quotes here, good with kids, right. good with other people, good with other dogs. And, you know, I have to, and Alicia had a conversation with somebody today, and it was a police department. They're like, well, is he good with this and good with that? And it's kind of, it's finally like his job is to find drugs and bite shitheads. Or I'm, I should rephrase that. His dog is to find drugs and find people. And, like, that's his job. He's Who are allegedly there. shitheads, yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're, yeah whatever. Legend. that's not right. our job that's the hmm. judges and shit that ain't, I ain't about that life but <laughs> I, I, and that's the thing and I'm like I don't select dogs based on how well they do with family pets now I have dogs that are on like SWAT units that are fucking gangsters that integrate with the family great like I have video of one of my handlers five year old kids doing a USPCA like obedience competition in the backyard and that dog sitting with the family chihuahua and then Three days later, I got a video of him falling through the roof of a of, out of an attic into somebody's couch, connected to some asshole. So they are they do exist, but it's not something that I set out to create or select for. Like I don't even look for that. I don't I don't even trust my own fucking dog that much. He's thirteen. He's laying over here on the floor, but it's because nobody else is mm-hmm. home. When I find out if one of my police dogs is good with other dogs, it's when the handler told me because it's a surprise to me because they'll ask all the time, "Is he good with other dogs?" I'm like. I don't know. I don't let him in with other dogs ever. I can tell you if he fence fights, if he doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't attack the other dogs as he's walking through. But, uh, you know, if they're like, hey, this dog loves my chihuahua. And I'm like, news to me. Good to know. From my perspective and then also from Michael's, because we do take contracts, we don't take a lot of them because, to be honest with you, as you guys, uh, I've heard you talking about this. Look, you want a personal protection dog? Most people aren't the kind of person who can handle the kind of animal that can actually do that work. Now, most it, canine handlers aren't the kind of people that can handle that kind of fucking you. animal that can do that work. And they have to fucking work. Right, right. And if I do take a contract, I mean, I'm very clear with the people up front that they have to understand they're responsible for their dog's behavior so you know we're not building tier one cag dogs here to put in somebody's living room however that being said the hotels this is going to be an area where you're going to have high volumes of people loud music food on the floor you're going to have people i mean they keep the light obviously in a casino they want you gambling all night long and frankly i think a lot of the Hotels here in town do an amazing job of providing a dynamic environment for people to come and visit. But it's not an environment that most dogs are going to understand. So being social for us, I mean, they're not meeting people. What they do understand is how to interpret the environment. And that's super valuable. And because of the things we have to deal with people who do, I got up this morning. The first thing I did was go out to Boulder City and work with a couple in their Belgian Malinois. Michael and I went out and do an assessment for the dog to perhaps start to do to build some uh, protection work, uh, gripping behavior, that type of thing. Obviously, there's a process here. Um, I only bring up the good with things because obviously you're talking about a lot of people standing around and slipping, dropping their drink or shrieking because their team just scored a touchdown. And that dog's walking by and he's seeing that movement. Luckily, all of these dogs, certainly, and I think it's the same for the other units, if they're not going to be like that, they can't be on the floor being able to do these things. That being said, Eric, we are hearing different units talking about now beginning to buy a dedicated dog that would be biting things. So this would be a single purpose animal and obviously I can't speak for the other properties. That's not my business and I don't know. But I do know that 
rather than take a bomb dog and ask him to do some biting work as a side hustle, what we're talking about is, you know, is this a dog that you're going to take with your SR team and load on a door before Metro gets there if you have the hypothetical person who's barricaded themselves? That is a different dog than the dog who can offer you some basic, uh, you know, once again, verbal aggression or even a basic bite to protect their handler while other people are getting involved, other security dynamics have been called into play. These are things that are being looked at and discussed. I know at our department, and the guy who runs the Caesars department is a former Chicago PD canine handler for 29, 25 years named Steve Martinez, and he's trying to get that unit to a place where they are going to be more available to the possible dynamics we want them to have, and we also want to have good relationships, obviously, between the dogs and their handlers. Not all the dogs go home at this current time for various logistic reasons, and that's created its own problem. The dogs are intact. They're male. So guess what? They all don't like each other very much. Doesn't mean that they don't like dogs, but coming in and out of that unit can be a, a, a you know an interesting process. So being invited into that environment to basically help with some of the, one of the dogs had bitten one of the handlers. It was an accident. The dog's foot got caught in a grate. The dog pulled, uh, handler pulled on the dog. The dog was in pain and redirected onto the handler, but it was uh, a lot of damage. So there was some trust issues there. So I was originally brought in to try and work through that. And once again, some of the dogs who had been purchased had been trained on an e-collar. So when they got changed back to pinch collars, or choke chains, now control is different. So once we got some of those dynamics worked out, I think they felt that, you know, it was good for the department, good for the relationship between the handlers, and the dogs do well when it comes to their odor work. So the question becomes, how much can you fiddle with that? Do you have the right dogs for it, or a right dog for it? And that remains to be seen. But that's where we're at. What, um, what's the, what, what did the beginning look like? What were the conversations? Who started it? Whose idea was it? How did that... For me to come in, to be involved? To get, well, no, in general, for the dogs to start, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been going to Vegas forever. There were not dogs. Now, all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of them. Who who was the brainchild, or is it just the evolution of Vegas? Well, I mean, the departments, from what I understand, certainly are in contact with each other, and some of them do some cross-training. I think there's some healthy competition between the departments. doesn't take long before that happens. People, you know, don't like this trainer, don't like that person, whatever. Um... The reality is they wanted bomb dogs uh, uh, and there are a couple of private uh, companies that also supply for T-Mobile, some of the big arena areas, uh, you know, racetrack. We have a lot of venues here in town that don't belong to the hotel properties. Uh, once again, they have their own approach to how they want those dogs to work. I think really the 10-1 uh, in, in 2017 was a huge turning point for Las Vegas in terms of having armed response on property so you can engage those people. And I think the dog is a natural evolution. I think a lot of the people who are running the different departments come from police and military backgrounds and they're thinking security first and they want to see what they can generate. So I think the conversation has evolved, Derek. I think I think there were originally, like when I, when I spent some time at the Stratosphere, which is a small hotel on the Strip, uh, they had a, a company that they had employed. Those people had spent some time training with me and said, hey, can you come in and, and, and start to work with our dogs so we can offer some verbal aggression? That's as far as they wanted to go. But that's 2015. It's two, that's seven years ago. Things have evolved. Also, the skill level of the people who are involved with the departments has changed. So it's kind of a wide open 
Wild West out here, and I think I think it's kind of figuring itself out as the hotels decide how much they want to be able to augment what's going on security-wise with a dog. Yeah, when you have a market like that that's exploded, you you guys you got to have the right people yourself and others that can sift through the bullshit when it comes to vendors or where you're getting your dogs or or what they're going to do because you're going to all of a sudden you could start an industry out there. Oh, I'm, I'm a dog vendor. Okay, dude, you have a kennel in your basement. Get out of here. Or yeah. Well, I think, no and, and, and not trying to talk out of school or, or be disrespectful, but I believe, and I'm not sure, but I believe when Steve Wynn owned the Wynn and Encore properties, his original canine uh, uh, advisor for his department was the guy who trained, trained his original, his personal dogs, and was a Schutzen trainer. So I think um, right away they discovered when it came to their odor work and refining it and updating it and maintaining it, they needed to go somewhere else. I believe that's what happened, so I can't you know say that for sure, but there have been elements like that in a lot of situations where people got involved and they went, hey, you're a little bit out of your depth and you now need to turn to other people. So I think what's happened is each individual unit has done their due diligence and tried to find people who certainly Cameron Ford was here. I'm not sure whether Cameron's involved with the units at the moment. Certainly think so. people respect him immensely, but I don't mm -hmm. think he's working with any particular group here um, at the moment. I could be wrong on that, but um, obviously you, you want to have good people in here. And the other thing, Eric, before I go on and on and on is just, once again, we bump up against logistics. How much time is there to train? How much resources do you have to refine these dogs because at the end of the day if they're not training and really going over the material i mean it, once again this playground has a lot of distraction in it so you know it's not the same as going behind a building and finding that one guy who ran it it's people everywhere people behaving poorly food there are animals in them lots of pets are allowed in different properties so we've seen some interesting things going on oh yeah it's uh if Listen, we're, we'll get into it here in a second after this commercial break about uh, operational kind of what a day looks like out there. And there's there's a lot of listeners here that have never been to Vegas. And um, I don't think they true. You just can't truly explain it until you until you actually get there. Um, Ted, on the real quick before we take the break, um, the casinos in Oklahoma getting is there a lot of dog stuff going on? Uh, no, not overtly. You need to change um, that. Yeah, not overtly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's not a whole lot of that are so here. There is a little different because in um, in Vegas, they're they're profit making ventures, right? Like here, they are also, but they are owned by um, Indian nations. And for those that follow case law, um, Oklahoma is kind of a unique position anywhere else in the world in terms of like how we treat our Indian tribes. So their security, they have their own security, but they have their own law enforcement too, which are legit, like federally recognized and state recognized law enforcement agencies. And they have their own, like you, when you pull into a casino, you pass a sign the size of your car that says you're entering the whatever nation you are subject to their laws and the laws of the tribe and the constitution of the tribe. And it's like, uh, um, what now? <laughs> and most people don't even read it. But so, you know, they do a good job here of keeping people safe. 
um, without a doubt. We don't have a whole lot of like bullshit going on, and they. I've been there. I've been. <laughs> I've been to some of the casinos here when some of the bullshit does go on, and they take care of it like quick. Like, uh, but like I said, it's a lot different than pretty much anywhere else in the world. I know there's some places in Florida, maybe in Colorado, where some of the tribes have have their own, but it, law enforcement here, it, it's stacked on top. So you have security, then you have dedicated like law enforcement that's there. And then you have city, state, county uh, that kind of comes in, but it's, uh, they do a good job. It's a little different than Vegas. That's for sure. One, it's not as big. And two, they tend to be in places that are not like, um, the ones that are close to Tulsa are very urban like Vegas, but there are some that are like the one, like this allegedly the largest one in the world is on the border of Texas and uh, Oklahoma. I don't remember what it's called, like downstream or windstream, whatever it is. I've been down there. It's huge, but um, there's a lot of security and law enforcement there that there aren't, that you don't see. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Probably like yeah. the movie casino. They just take yeah. people in the back and smash their hands for for cheaper, so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. Uh, we come back. We're gonna talk um, some operational stuff uh, uh, in the day. You know, the day in the life of a, a casino dog handler. And we're back with Jamie uh, in here in a minute. Uh, don't go away. Go listen to the to the commercials, please. Don't skip through them. Keep supporting our people as they support us. Uh, we got some great sponsors. Stand by. All right, we love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, They're also super smart. They understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower, so they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website tactical police canine training.com you get on there under training the online course but here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor canine supervisor course which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training they don't know as much as they should right here online uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers proper deployment effective allocation and utilization as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience, and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues, you can't go Get on tacticalpolicek9training.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They uh, are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR30, 
one zero. They give you ten percent off a single item over two hundred bucks. So if you're looking at a nineteen hundred S or that Ball Popper Pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up, doctor.com, WDR one zero. So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for, other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code Working Dog Radio, all capital letters, Working Dog Radio for 10% off. Check them out, rayallen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law, the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement, I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so if you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is Arno out, out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him, give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years, and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALMK9Equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out, almk9equipment.com, and use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness 
and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day. And it's comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the winter time. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications and it's assembled, dropped off. Boom. You're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look horizon up at horizon structures spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, everybody, Working Dog Radio, we are back from the commercial break. Hope you liked it. Um, we put some new stuff in there. Dogs just got some new collars they're going to be rolling out. We got, uh, oh, listen, you guys got to go to workingdogradio.com. Pull up our, uh, oh, yeah, pull up on the website. That. On the shows tab at the very top is a widget that we put up there and yeah. you can click click on that and record just do it on your phone record a message for us and ask a question and what we're going to start doing is once we get these questions we're going to play those on the podcast you'll be able to hear it so you know you can say your name if you want say where you're from ask your question uh ted and i are answered if we got a guest who's it, it's in their wheelhouse we'll have them answer it too um and see i think it's going to be pretty good uh, that just got up there, and uh, so make sure you guys get on there and check it out. So, anyways, we're here with Jamie Crook from Vegas. Um, so, the I, I, and again, I just don't think a lot of people understand, and some people that go to Vegas or have been to Vegas don't even really know how big the properties are. Like Caesar's property is ridiculous; it's so big. Some of you all that are listening to this, some of these properties are bigger than the one stoplight town that you work in. So. If you kind of think about that, um, if you've never been to Vegas, when you're you're on the strip and you want to go from one hotel to another one or two that are and it's right there. It's right there. I can see it. And you're like, why did it take me 30 minutes to walk two doors down? Because that's just how big it is. So um, talk about without giving away any operational secrets. Talk about like kind of the process of what your what your guys are doing on the day-to-day -day. yeah i will uh just want to clarify so i'm not a handler i am just the canine trainer for that year. right right yeah what, what the handlers are doing yeah. yeah so uh the handlers are doing 10-hour shifts um we have a day shift and then we have a swing shift which runs until four o'clock in the morning um obviously those dogs have oh, those handlers and dogs teams have weekly training 
at our at our place, it's run by uh, a, a, another former Chicago PD canine handler named Marion. Uh, she's in charge, and she also handles the dog. She does the odor work for them, so that will happen randomly throughout the week based on availability. Those those handlers can be called to any property that is being worked and say, hey, we have some suitcases we want you to come and look at. We have a room, we have a backpack that has been left and we want somebody. And obviously those dogs are then gonna go over and, and if there's some sort of alert, then we'll shut things down. Obviously, let's understand, you're absolutely right. These properties are huge, they're massive. And it's exactly, it's 10 minutes to get there. And then of course in the middle of the summer, Eric, you're, Eric, you're also talking about the heat. So you're talking about people dealing with exposure to the heat, drinking alcohol, those kinds of things. So, so the properties are massive and there are millions of people coming here every year. And of course, everybody's inconvenienced. I want to go into this property. Why aren't the doors open? How do I get up there? How do I? So they're very, very porous in terms of their ability to move in and out of the property and have multiple entrances. So these things from a more tactical standpoint are things that the SRT teams and the hotel security are trying to under, we want this to be available. And I would say to a very high percentage, the hotels here in town do a wonderful job of offering options to their clients to come and enjoy, whether it's restaurants or entertainment or sporting events. And then we have standalone uh, arenas that are massive. We just opened the Raiders Arena, which I think is two and a half billion dollars. There are a lot of properties that don't belong to a, to a hotel specifically. Obviously, the hotels all have their different programs, but the day is going to be, oh, those handlers can come back to the to the kennel area and they can rest, and more importantly, their dogs can get a rest and get, obviously, at this time, we're now down into, as of the last couple of days, we're high 60s, low 70s. We actually had 40 in the evening, but a week ago, it was 95 degrees. So even though it's October, it's still very hot from the standpoint of those dogs and spending time outside. So they're going to do perimeter searches of the of the properties, they're going to travel into the convention areas, they're going to work in the theaters before there are shows, and they will do sweeps, that type of thing. And that happens almost daily for those for those dogs and those handlers. And that's what a day looks like for them. Yeah, I bet they, uh, so do you, do you have, um, like a lot of units that have explosive dogs, there's a difference between unattended package and suspicious package right and like when you first introduce dogs into a situation that you'll have a lot of guys that don't know they'll get on the radio hey we got a suspicious package over here that that has a different response mentally from a lot of people than uh unattended bags do you guys have to separate stuff like that you have certain terminology you're using um no no, it, it, at this point, it's going to fall under that general umbrella of we're going to want somebody there to have a look at it uh, and, and make that distinction as to whether there needs to be another, uh, you know, move forward from there. The, the other thing, and not to get off that subject, Eric, but we're seeing some, I mean, there have been a number of incidents in the hotels over the last few months with people leaving hotel rooms, having been stabbed. Maybe they had uh, somebody who was there for personal entertainment. Maybe the transaction didn't happen properly and it spills down into the casino. And some of those situations have been pretty interesting. We just had, unfortunately, here in Las Vegas, an incident about 10 days ago, where it might've been a couple of weeks ago now, where a gentleman just grabbed a kitchen knife and wandered out onto the strip and started stabbing people. Two people died 
and four other people were injured, uh, and, and they have survived from what I understand. And incidentally, Remy was working that day, and he said, if I could have been there 90 seconds earlier, maybe I could have stopped it. The second guy, the second person died while he was on site, and they took the guy into custody. Those events, luckily, are rare. But once again, you're talking about high volumes of congestion of people walking on the strip. Um, it's, it's just a different day. It's a different day here. And so, so what we're at right now is will those teams begin to either add dogs that are going to have different responsibilities? Will we have dogs that can successfully transition to be able to have a secondary capacity and some sort of uh, support to their, their handler? And then ultimately, um, you know, is that effective and does the hotel see that? as something they want to continue. I really think it's very open right now. And, and I would say to anybody who is interested in, or has a background as a handler and is interested, they should apply to these departments because, you know, there, there are a lot of spots and there are, there are private companies who pick up the contracts outside. So there are a lot of canine handlers out here. Is it, um, Ted and I always talk about the constant fight of, from administrators on the, appearance where they want that floppier dog because appears less aggressive is that a thing that you guys have to fight with the, um, we don't so, want yeah, pointy-eared threatening looking dogs yeah so there are there are different opinions on that obviously there is a liaison with uh locals and tourists who come to town where you know the guys have coins they can hand and they have a good interaction with people they want people to feel comfortable i think people feel comfortable when they see an animal behaving properly but strapped up uh with their handler the handlers in our department are all moving to being armed it is an option but that's what we want um some people think that makes you a target some people say hey you know what? It's important to have this option available for us. And obviously there's a deterrent dynamic to that too. So, so to answer your question, there have been a number of occasions where we have obviously low profile uniformed security officers, and they are going to say, Hey, to somebody who's being difficult, leaving the property, we're going to have you leave. Now you have a couple of canine teams walk up with some nice Malinois Boy, I'll tell you what, some of those people go, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and bail now. And that's really valuable. So in that situation, when you have that Labrador, or that Springer walk up, that actually for that person, when they're, you know, alcohol fueled, you're going to get a lot of comic behavior out of that. Some of those big shepherds and mouths, people are going to move. People are going to move. So, so you could make a case for either. I think you get a nice uh, kind of diplomacy dynamic that goes on with the dog that people feel they can come up to. And I think it's also important to have that working dog where people go, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to step out of that hallway and give them some space. I think that can be very valuable in this situation. I don't think any of it is about trying to intimidate people. And I know the handlers, certainly at our department, spend a lot of time understanding what they can and can't say to people, how they're going to handle their interactions with people, you know, to the, to the best degree that they possibly can so that it's an enjoyable experience for the people. But if you saw some of the homeless people and obviously private property, we can't force them to leave. I mean, there's just some elements that are starting to transition and get very close to overlapping where, you know, you, you, it, it feels a little bit like Times Square in certain places back in the day. And we want that to be comfortable for people who are stepping off property and maybe going to a property down the street. Yeah, it's in Times Square with a lot more places to hide shit. You know, there's so many nooks and crannies, as you know, in those buildings. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's crazy. Um, have, have you had to be, like, learn or, 
uh, are been trained or taught on dealing with when it comes to dogs with certain nationalities, like folks that come from foreign countries, on how they view dogs and and how they um, would react to dogs. I, I don't believe that's part of the existing program in terms of when a handler is going to become operational with his dog and how he. Do. Obviously, when people are hired, they want to know if they speak other languages because that can be very valuable. You're absolutely right. We have a huge percentage of people coming from other countries, and those countries culturally have attitudes towards dogs. Not all of them are necessarily going to be friendly versions of that or feel comfortable around animals. The nice thing is, obviously, these handlers and these dogs, uh, if they're out and they're working, they should have a very good understanding of ultimately their operating procedures and their rules of engagement in any situation. Uh, obviously, we want to keep the, the, the public safe, and we also want to have successful interactions with the dogs. Um, but no, I, I, I'm not familiar with that specifically. So the other thing that we talk about all the time, Ted and I, uh, I talk about a lot, and Ted has a pretty good saying, that there's no such thing as a, a T-shirt sale fundraiser for SWAT or SRT. There's no SWAT car washes. But handlers to even buy a, a poop bag have to fundraise for it. How is how are the teams supported there with the casino? Yeah. So so the the support for the individual units is very different based on the hotel's hierarchy and where they are budget wise. We've just come out of the COVID dynamic. COVID was I mean, Vegas operates in general at a very high occupancy rate. So any deviation in the economy or something that slows down air travel, that type of thing, and makes people have to wear masks in distance. I mean, you can imagine what the hotels were like for that. There was also a spike in violence because a lot of people are frustrated and frightened and they make poor decisions. So we saw some, we also saw, uh, and I'm not talking specific properties, but in order to get people back when you're getting some uh, government assistance checks, a lot of people showed up who would not normally be in Vegas and would not normally be staying in suites and some of those prices were jumped, and so we had some clash of cultures in terms of the type of client that you would want in certain properties. And when you get to high-end restaurants and shopping and things of that nature, it creates and uh, can create an unpleasant social dynamic. So I know that a lot of that has cleared up since we've gone to, to answer your question. A lot of the a lot of the handlers end up buying not big things but small things for their dogs. I think there's five percenters in every everything. There are guys who are like, "Hey man, I'm going to work this dog, and we're going to be as skillful as we can be." And of course, there are going to be people who do the bare minimum to fulfill their obligations to that particular position. Um, we only have the eight handlers, and I know that Steve takes it very personally, and he wants the best people he can find to, to work with the dogs that we have. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your original point. Me too, actually. Uh, no, it was, it was. Are they well supported? Their equipment, their gear, is it out of pocket? Like, uh, you know what? Uh, once again, the units are very different. Some of the bigger properties that have more dogs, I've heard they're very well supplied, and they're also getting very nice training from multiple individuals. So those dogs are problem solving, and they're staying up. On, on where their skills should be. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I've given some leashes and some various things to handlers because I just like their team and I want them to have some stuff that they need. And, you know, obviously there is a price point for all of these things. Uh, I think the big issues are getting better um, because 
you know, some people might say, well, why would your dogs need booties? Have you walked on 170 degree cement to walk from one property to the next? If you're not going, and incidentally, obviously, they have to travel by vehicle in the summertime. You just have a dog breathing out of his mouth after 50 yards, and now he's not going to be useful for anything that you're going to be scenting, you know? I can sympathize with breathing out of your mouth 50 yards. <laughs> <laughs> I do get. Now, isn't there a, is there a um, union for this guys out there? There is not. The there is not there a not? union at this particular time. So, I saw, so, is there a foundation? I thought I saw like a Vegas Handlers. Foundation, or yeah, something. there's something about like working dog association, and, and and you know, a lot of these these uh associations have been put together with the idea that there would be some training available for the different units mm -hmm. so they could get away from what they're doing to you know, provided they want to be part of it. Um, there's also a recently we had a canine competition, there is the Las Vegas Metropolitan Canine Trials, which tends to pull from the whole region and some parts of Mexico, Utah, Arizona, California. People will bring their teams from other places. We just had, Eric, a competition amongst the corporate canine units to foster a sense of communication and also to uh, challenge those dogs, challenge those teams. Uh, and so I think there's going to be more of those things. And then there are individual groups. Certainly uh, Las Vegas Metro has that too. That are just concerned citizens who, with their interest in doing charity work, is to provide vests for the metro canine officers or mm. supply them in some way as you guys well know this stuff gets very expensive very very quickly and the dogs don't stay healthy things go wrong and then they're then they're down and we're at the vets and uh you know so that competition to foster communication sounds like talking shit like you're just, <laughs> you're guys that, you know, brag and talk shit on each other is a like goose keeping up relations you know flipping yeah yeah there you go there you go thing. i i think you would probably get a fair amount of smiles from the people working in the environment but i think there is some genuine effort to try and say look we're all in this together in the sense that shit goes sideways you know what we're going to have some questions to answer yeah. so i think i think at the end of the day there's a big effort to say we want the dogs functioning as well as they can with the best communication the best genetics that we can have and the best handlers that are available and hopefully decent trainers with the exception of myself of course but there you go right yeah of course i always, always like it when you guys go hey man the best of the best will be there and me and eric <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. Ted says that all the time about hits yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone that's good will be there great. plus me <laughs> Yeah. All the top level people and Ted and I. Yeah, um, exactly. So speaking of on just on your property alone, right? Um, if so, say you add dogs, or if an opening comes up, what are you looking for in a in an applicant? In an applicant, well, experience. They're going to want to see experience, and then obviously they're going to interview and they're going to ask very specific questions so that they have an idea of the temperament of the people. We have some handlers that were former police dog handlers. We just took a guy who was with the TED program in the infantry, uh, and he's been great. I have to tell you, all the handlers I deal with, uh, I don't come from police and, 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 you know, and military, but they've been really great because I think they understand that I do understand the dogs, at least from the standpoint of how their obedience and their body language and those things are going to help them better read their dogs. And of course, you know, you can have a great team that can find stuff, but there can be some conflict in the relationship. And my goal has been to smooth some of those things out so the teams are more effective uh, in terms of dealing with them day to day. So, so I think with the handlers, obviously they're looking for experience. So I think if you come here and go, hey, I'd like to handle the dog. Hey, we've got guys who are coming back from, you know, 
uh, uh, Afghanistan and Iraq who were getting out and saying, hey, I'd like to come and, and, and make a nice salary and have benefits and be in Vegas. It's a job and you are going to be working, but they, they definitely want to have people um, that understand the terrain more along the lines of what you guys have done because obviously we don't have the same uh, engagement rules in terms of, of, of uh, deploying the dog other than his scent work. So, but it's nice when you have people who understand that work and have been there before, because when shit goes sideways, you know, and there are some, there are some uh, uh, standards in terms of the physical fitness you want, because, you know, those handlers are going to have to go through their security courses as well for the hotel, for compliance. So they understand the hotel's policies for putting your hands on people where these are not police units, you know? Yeah. Dogs, the, the dog world's interesting and. Ted and I get reached out to by a lot. I would like, I want to handle a dog. And I, I'm like, I want to be six foot two. But uh, <laughs> it's, I have no experience of being six foot two. And you work at Burger King. So I don't know, like, folks just think you can just do it, you know. And it's uh, it's kind of a real strange, strange thing in the dog world. And I know Ted and I both get messages all the time. And I, and I can appreciate, I can appreciate people wanting to be involved and can I come down and watch and I really really love the working dog stuff well, what do you do well I'm a hairdresser yeah exactly no, no. exactly and, and you know the guys running these units all come from your world certainly at our at our properties Chicago PD and that's that's a very interesting urban environment to work a dog in so so those guys are going to want to see people that they recognize and understand that they are prepared to do the things that you know, you're going to ask a police and military units that work with dogs. And, and like you said, people would say, I would like to work with a dog. Well, you know, um, there's a process for that. And sometimes the hotels will say, hey, we have some senior security people. It's their time to get a chance. They're going to be brought in and they will, if, if they're decided to be worked with them, it's going to be a process for them to learn to work with the dog. And if it's not working out, we have a responsibility to the unit to make sure we have the right people. So people get replaced if they can't step up and do those things. But just like with, with all the things you guys talk about with all your guests, we're not in a position where we can have somebody who'd really like to handle a dog. They're going to need to be somebody who's going to be able to come with a resume that, uh, that allows the unit to say, okay, this guy's a legitimate possibility, you know. At the same time, we're not looking for people who are looking to deploy the dog in a way that, you know, once again, these are odor dogs at the moment. We are discussing and we are working and we now have one dog for us. And I know a couple of the other properties also have dogs that can assist a handler and or assist a uh, securing of someone, for lack of a better term, because we don't arrest. We wait for Metro to show up, but we may have to, you know, control that environment until they show up. Yeah. I've seen that controlled that environment until Metro shows up a few times out there. <laughs> Usually at four in the morning. Um, and so those I'll tell you real shame, quick. A, Eric, those things a pretty interesting uh, Caesar's story. So if you are standing on the strip and you're looking at the Caesar's property, all the way down on the right end, there's a statue down there. You know, they got those little right. statues all over the place. And there's a statue all the way down the right, and he's missing two fingers. He has two fingers snapped off. <laughs> I was standing there in 2004 and watched two drunken ass college kids snap those fingers off of that and they're still missing. statue. They climbed up on it to get the picture taken, snapped the fingers off, right. and left. 
And I was like, shit, they just broke that fucking statue. And I was there last year, and them damn fingers are still still missing. Yeah, yeah. What a yeah, great story. Still missing. Yeah. So I was like, I know, I know exactly how that happened. Yeah. Billy Bob and and John Boy fucking yeah. broke those off, drunk. And there's no shortage of those events going on, and you can only imagine with the amount of I, I can't even tell you how many hotel rooms we have in Vegas, but it is stunning. That's why so many of the corporate. Uh, industrial shows and various conventions happen here in Vegas. Look, you can say New York, Chicago have a lot of hotel rooms. Yeah, can you throw as many shows at them? And incidentally, can you throw at them NFL football and WNBA basketball and NHL hockey all in the same night that maybe you're going to see, you know, John Legend in concert or somebody else. So, you know, it's a playground and with a playground, you're dealing with a lot of people and people are pushing the boundaries. You know, and obviously Vegas doesn't want to create, and I can't speak for the properties, we don't want to create an environment where people don't feel comfortable and welcome to step into the properties. At the same time, that window between what is acceptable and what isn't has become thinner and people are more vigilant and the units that are being hired are people who are prepared to do those kinds of things. And those other cities can't boast Ted's favorite show, the AVN Awards. Uh, Like, yeah. Right? You can't do that. Ted, yeah. I can even do you one right. better. My wife performed on the AVNs three years in a row. She was in Zumanity at the New York, New York, which is, um, yes. you know, unfortunately closed since then. Uh, but she was invited to do her act at the AVN Awards. So I can tell you, Eric, I have been at the AVN Awards and watched that particular audience watch my wife do an erotic act. And I got to tell you, that's an interesting, you know, kind of parallel universe for five years. Yeah. Yeah, Zumanity was a good show. I saw it. Yeah. Um, this this is an interesting. You're going to have to anyway. call when you come to Vegas next time. Yeah, I have to. I will definitely come out, and uh, we'll have to get. We'll have to hook up. And sounds great. Uh, now my mind's racing. Of what can we watch? Um, anyways, yeah, I've been out there. Uh, I used to go out to this uh, when I was in the police union back at the police department. We'd go out to this one uh, conference in Vegas every year. It's always the exact same time as the AVN Awards. Yeah. So the hotels were interesting to say. Yeah. That. Oh, uh, exactly. Exactly. The, I'll yeah. bet the outfits were, shall we say, oh, yeah. small. Yeah. Because we went to the hotel, you know, by accident over to the hotel <laughs> where they were hosting it. And they were not staying at the Flamingo where I was staying. So we went over there and just, you know, it was, yeah, it was Wandered interesting around. to yeah. see what was going around. Yeah. So, uh, Jamie, this is really cool, man. Um, it's again, it's not surprising to me that Vegas, you know, the, the dogs are so prevalent there now and are doing such great work. It's um, Ted and I talk about this a lot, too. It's it's irresponsible to think that this country isn't going to see explosive devices, yep. IED type things. Yep. It's just ripe for that. People just haven't done it that much yet. Yep. You know, um, we still Ted talks about this a lot. The government still does a pretty good job of keeping a cap on RDX, PETN, some of those explosives. But you can make, obviously... That's the one thing the ATF does really well. Yeah. It's hard to be... The rest of the stuff, they're fucking terrible. It's hard to be... They do a good job of keeping actual explosives out of people's hands. But you can go to Gander Mountain and get all the... uh, Ammonium nitrate you need and you know, oh, do it that way. All the powders and everything like that. <laughs> pipe bombs and stuff uh, are, you know, very easily made yeah. and done. And you guys, I, I don't envy you. You know, I, I, I can, 
I really give a lot of credit to guys that are they're doing, especially like you said, the heat that's been brought up numerous times because it's no joke. It's no, it not is. A, no, it is. And it's going to affect everything, mental attitudes, oh, yeah. and obviously the dog's physical state as well, separate to humans, tourists, people who are just, I mean, there's a lot of people who come to a place like Vegas and it gets the better of them and they lose, I don't know, their mortgage. They, I mean, these things make people dire. And at that case, and late at night, early in the morning, things can get, and all of a sudden you wander out with your dog. So, so once again, Vegas is an amazing environment. It offers a lot to a lot of people. It's very porous. So from a security standpoint, it's become a bigger deal. I can only see this getting bigger and, and, and more effective as, as the policies get better because it's hard to be perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so, uh, one last question, then we're going to move on. Yeah. Did you um, did you guys build kennels then at the, on property for them? Yeah, and in fact, uh, it looks like uh, with Caesars, they're getting ready to sell the Flamingo, and our kennels are actually based off of the Flamingo property. So we're about to build some kennels. Uh, ultimately, I think, I, I think the policy is going to become all the dogs simply have to go home with their handlers. I think the relationship is better. I think the environment is going to be better for them. You can imagine a dog sitting in a kennel if the handlers are four on and three off, which I believe is what we have at the moment. You know, uh, that can be a lot of downtime for an animal. Some, some people might have a wife who's allergic or a child that they're not comfortable around, that type of thing. So, whether that's fair or not, that can play into a situation. I, I can't speak for the other properties. They may have their protocols where you simply have to take them. We have kennels there for dogs that are spending the occasional night or, once again, a handler who can't take the dog home. The other handlers will take and break that dog, take them out, get them some exercise, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, we do have kennels on site, but we're about to have to rebuild them so that we have something on a different part of our property because it looks like the flamingo is being sold. Uh, I'm not sure where that is in the pipeline at the moment. Yeah, feel free to buy them from Horizon Structures. You know, they've been yeah, yeah, yeah. the podcast for a long time. They yes, come sir. drop them. You ain't got to build shit. They'll come and drop that sucker right in point. your lap. That's a good point. I'll talk to Steve. Yeah, there you go. A whole lot of stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Anything you want to plug? Is there anything uh, uh, so, to know, support guys or anything? Reach out to me. Uh, CrookK9.com is my website. My Instagram is CrookK and the number nine. Um, you know, I do a lot of uh, companion animal stuff, and I certainly enjoy having one foot in the working dog world because, you know, it's a passion and it's a hard thing to get in uh, if you don't come from, you know, your background. Um, and I'm very grateful to the, all the people and the trainers who have helped me uh, up my game and also get me this opportunity where I can be involved in, in, with this unit. Uh, it's a wonderful thing for me at my stage in my life, you know. I like it. Ted, what about you? Where can they find you at? So on Instagram, Ted underscore Summers. On uh, Facebook, you can find me at Torchlight Canine and Torchlight Pets. Torchlight Pets is obviously all the – one of my trainers has two doodle puppies that's like from the same litter. And they're super cute. They look like little chicken nuggets running around. Um, but Torchlight Pets is where all that is. Torchlight Canine is the other side. Um, letter K number nine. Same thing on Instagram. And then under, or HRD – uh, Police Canine will have all of the like stuff coming up. We uh, have some stuff coming up with um, a large certifying organization here pretty soon, I think, uh, that we'll announce later. And then, uh, yeah, the podcast, HRD, or I'm sorry, the working underscore dog underscore radio. That was my dog. Underneath. Working underscore dog underscore radio. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
Uh, it's just a podcast for uh, Instagram and for uh, Facebook. What about you? Um, WorkingDogRadio.com. Again, get on the shows tab. Get on there, guys. Ask us some questions. Um, we'd like to uh, like to get some interaction with everybody. We, you know, sometimes we'll do question and answer podcasts. It's just Ted and I answering questions for the whole show. But I think if we can get some good questions, we can answer one or two of them every show and then get some good opinions out of some guests. So get on there. It's a little piece of cake. It's just a little widget on there. Click on it, talk, leave your message, and then we can get in. And we're trying to figure it out, but I think we'll be able to play it right here on the show and then go ahead and get an answer out of you. Um, So Van S. Canine is the working dog side of the business uh, on Instagram. Van S. Canine Academy on Facebook. But um, those are linked together. So I post everything on Instagram, and it populates over to Facebook, uh, get on there, check out um, stuff that I have on there from Working Dogs. If you are interested in hosting me for my e-collar without conflict for Working Dogs seminar uh, for Working Dog groups, it's three days. Um, email me, eric at vanesk9.com, and we'll get it scheduled. Like I said, I booked seven of them already, so I'm doing like one a month over the next several months. So um, I think I'm going to Dubai in March. So that's going to be a couple of weeks out of the out of the mix there, but um, I'll be doing those year round for a while uh, until I move on to a different topic. But right now it's e collar without conflict for working dogs. Check it out. Um, Ridgeside Canine Ohio on Facebook, RS Canine Ohio on Instagram is the pet side of the house. Also, I opened another location, so it's Ridgeside Canine Toledo, which serves Toledo, Ohio, and eastern or basically southern Michigan. Um, Check out on there. And if you're wondering, if you have a pet dog business and you're wondering uh, how you should be doing your social media, if you get on uh, Torchlight Pets or my Ridgeside Canine Ohio, look at the formula that we use on there. Dude, I'm telling you, it works to build your brand on social media, and you can get a lot of free advertising. And we boost things. We pay for things. But you can get a lot of free advertising just on the way you work the algorithm. Um, and it's not hard. It's just takes a lot of work. Uh, like every day you got to post and all kinds of get on there take a look the way we do it again ridgeside canine ohio ridgeside if you go on to aaron's thing ridgeside canine llc he's especially on instagram he's doing reels he's doing a lot of stuff like it looks to me like he's got a professional camera staff in there um i don't i have a couple people with some iphones they do great jobs though amazing work so anyways jamie thank you for coming on man i'm glad you reached out that was a great concept and you're right when you told me you said we got a lot of great things going on in vegas you were not lying yeah i really appreciate you guys having me on uh good health to both of you and long life and thanks so much yep next time we yep, get out sure. there i'll look you up do it and uh we go go hang out a little bit absolutely show me around yeah all right thanks guys all right we'll see you on the, see you on the next one all right thanks guys Got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E. Blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt. 